Good evening out there, all you lovely folks out there in internet land, and welcome to Thoughts and Traffic. My name is Tony Spears, and this is the show where I often have an idea behind the wheel of my car and decide to share it with all of you good people out there. Now, this is going to be a bit of a different episode, and the reason why is because one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot has been my inevitable transition from active duty military service due to retirement. So a lot of people, when they think of retirement from anywhere, right, whether it be uh, in the private sector, the private sector, in uh, any other type of service, or especially military service, you kind of think it's like, all right, man, that's cool. You did your time, and it's time to mosey on out to other pastures. And while that is true, there is a lot that goes into it. Any type of separation from anywhere, really, can have a lot of uncertainty, cause a lot of stress, and um, <laughs> can have a lot of different factors and things at play that you don't really know about until you're kind of already knee deep into it. And one of the things that I was not aware about were a lot of the different uh, services and programs and different things that go into separation from the military, but especially for retirement. So what I'm going to be doing today is talking about a specific program for people separating from the army, how it applies to different uh, sectors, whether or not you're going from active duty and then just ETSing, separating after contract and moving out, or if you are retiring like myself. I am gonna be speaking strictly off of my own experience, but also off of research I have done and different uh, resources that I have found through various means, whether that be in person, online, what have you. Um, I plan to put as much details as I can out there without making this over long. And I don't want this to turn into like a, you know, three hour diatribe of talking about the same thing at nauseum. Um, but I feel like it's important to emphasize this, not just for people in the military like myself, though that is kind of the target audience here, but it's also important when you're looking at transitioning from any, any long standing you know, position in your life into something new. There are processes that you have to not just be aware of, but have to like actively start uh, working toward in order to, you know, go on. Whoa. Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. Sorry. To uh, go on to the next step, right? Um, it, admittedly, and I'll be the first person to say this, like I just kind of got in the mindset up until I hit the one year mark of just kind of like waiting out my time. I kind of figured I'd be able to get everything else lined up pretty easily. And that was, could not have been further from the truth. So without further ado, let's get into TAP. Well, SFL TAP, or as it is known, Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program. Now I have found this online and this is a great, um, we kind of breakdown of your steps when we're referring to how to 
get things rolling and what you should be looking at. And also I'm going to emphasize things that I did during this process, but other things that, um, that others have let me in on and things that you should be working toward while you're in this timeline. Okay. So to begin, what is SFL tap and why is it important? SFL tap is really important because it gives you a really good breakdown of your benefits and different things that you can pursue or utilize either leading up to your separation from the military or after your separation from the military. Okay. Now the one critique I do have about this system, and it has been said multiple times by many other people is that a lot of it is presented as like information by fire hose, right? They're trying to get as many people in there as they possibly can. A lot of people transition out of uh, the military or active service at the same time. Okay. In each of the different classes that I attended, there was no less than 30 people in that class. And I was just one class out of multiple that they were doing that day. So if you think about like, you know, 30 in a class, if they do four classes a day and they're working five days a week, that's a couple hundred people that are cruising through every week. Okay. So all that being said, they have to get as much information out there as they can. And they're trying to make it the most quality information that they can. Right. And a lot of it comes down to like you asking questions like your, they're never going to cover your specific, uh, instance or situation. It's just not, this is not possible. Everybody's got a lot of different things going on. Right. Like whenever they asked who was planning on staying local, I was like one of three people that raised their hand. Everybody else was, you know, going to be going back to wherever they originally call home places that they were looking at for work, things like that. And it's, you know, like you have to really be the, the squeaky wheel as it were to get the grease to, you know, get your questions answered. Now, the good thing about these programs is that they're all, you know, like there is a person that is giving you this brief, giving you this class, and they're more than willing to do like what they call like, like parking lot conversations where it's like after the class, you pull them aside, you ask a couple, you know, you ask your questions and stuff and they help you get the resources or the answers that you're looking for. Um, and it is a lot of really good stuff. Now, granted, there are certain classes that like you have to do. There's, I believe, six core classes you have to do in order to like get signed off and stamped off for your separation, right? There are additional classes that you can take depending upon what you're aiming for stuff that is, uh, like aimed toward getting into trades after you get out, um, helping out with, uh, like, you know, basically entrepreneurship, starting your own business, um, transitioning into other, uh, federal government, uh, positions and work, or just, stuff to help you get hired in the private sector, like resume classes, things like that. Now we'll get into those, those steps later on, but right now what we are going to focus on is like timelines. Timelines is the big thing, right? A wise man once told me is like, you can, you could go broke and make more money and that's fine. You could lose your house and then still end up with a place to live. But the one thing that you can never get back is time. And it's one of the most important things when it comes down to this whole process. Okay. So we're gonna start here. Step one, when are you doing this? Okay. Now in my instance of retirement, okay. 
24 months, you can look at uh, putting in for your retirement and then they'll start getting the administrative portion of that going, but you need to get your tap stuff going yourself, okay? So 24 to 12 months prior to retirement, you need to be coming in to do this like initial counseling, okay? And essentially what that is is like, they're asking you some questions to get your schedule together so they know what to line you up for, right? They're not just gonna give you this like carte blanche a la carte menu of like, hey, which of these courses you wanna do? They kinda wanna slot you in to make it more efficient. You still have options afterward, but they're trying to get you into the most streamlined version of this process in the beginning, okay? So as it says, register with SFL TAP and schedule initial counseling, okay? And then it has the breakdown here. This is actually a really good guide. You can find this online. Um, it's a good place to start in order to get things rolling. Now, mind you, my experience is all through the Fort Campbell, Kentucky SFL TAP office, okay? I imagine because it is a army-wide program that things basically run the same from base to base, but you should still ask the specific questions where you are stationed, okay? I mean, there could be things that change. They may have larger size classes because they are able to accommodate more people. They may have smaller ones. Schedules may be different. It, there's a lot of different things, more things that we could cover in this example. But yeah, so you're going to go to this website here, and then once you've created your account, you'll contact TAP, and then they'll schedule your initial counseling. All it is, like I said, you going down with a counselor and breaking down what you're aiming to do, okay? So we got that, step one. Boom, congratulations. Step two, when should you be doing this, okay? Again, in my instance, we're, like, we're still looking at 24 to 12 months prior to retirement, okay? If you're just looking to ETS, which is, uh, uh, oh man, end of wait in term of service okay uh, you're looking at 18 to 12 months okay you're going to complete the initial counseling okay a lot of directives and things like that in here i don't want to break this down because i'm pretty sure if you're watching this you can read but the thing to remember is like you have to make time for these things okay another thing that i did not do was i was still like working like working working a year out from retirement and i know that sounds dumb to think of like, yeah, why wouldn't you work? You're not retired yet. But like, you have to carve out the time in order to go and make this stuff happen and to do other things too, because the, the, the things and the steps that you need to do are not laid out here step-by-step step, block by block. Like there's a list and there are opportunities for you to go and, and cash in on a lot of this stuff. But for the most part, you need to be making the time. Now, if you're like me, I am very grateful and very fortunate to have a, a team of supervisors that were more than willing to, you know, support me and give me the time that I needed to go and basically pursue all this stuff, which again, I am very thankful for. Now, depending on where you're at, you may run into some friction and depending upon how that goes, there are other paths that you can go down in order to remove that friction as it were, okay? But TAP is something that they have to allow you to do. You have to be able to go to these appointments, okay? All right, so you're gonna go and complete your initial counseling. Like I said, you're gonna go sit down with someone. They're basically gonna give you the, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And you're gonna tell them, okay? 
So again, for step three, 24 to 12 months prior to retirement, all right, you're going to attend your pre-separation brief. This brief provides an overview of transition and veteran benefits and services available through the Army, Department of Defense, Department of Labor, Veterans Affairs, Small Business Administration, and other organizations. So this is what I was talking about when they're kind of breaking it down to like where, like what your path wants to be, okay? So when they say services and benefits, like for the Army and DOD, that's the things like TAP, uh, VRNE, which is something that we will cover in a completely separate block in a completely separate episode. But um, those things help you to to get skills or to get apprenticeships in different places to go to different industries, okay? Oh, no one cares about the DICE Awards. Um, okay. And then things like Department of Labor, Veterans Affairs, the VA is a very important step here. And again, that's another block, another episode that we will cover. Um, all these places you'll be able to get lined up in your schedule in order to go and get the information that you need, okay? Now, mind you, this is not all encompassing information. Again, they have to get as many people as they can through this program as efficiently as they can, which sometimes means that, like they just kind of gloss over some stuff. And again, depending on your situation, you can go and talk to them you know, one-on-one -on -one in order to get more information. But this is really the bare bones of like, hey, here's a thing, you should go look this up. And it's still a lot of good information. It's not a waste of two hours, but it is definitely something where like, you need a pad and a paper and be taking notes, okay? Uh, let's see, step four. Uh, yeah, complete your CRS classes according to the tier requirements. So this is what I was talking about. These are like the core requirements you have to meet. So like the My Transition, the MOS Crosswalk, which military occupational specialty uh, crosswalk. That's basically like, hey, what what jobs do my uh, do my skills translate into? Which is a really good one. Um, financial planning for uh, transition. This one's really good. Helped me to establish a more concrete budget for after I get out. Because another thing that you have to realize is like your a lot of things change. For you financially after you retire i like i i had a bit of a stressful week at one point going over like exactly what i need to earn post retirement in order to maintain my standard of living now granted because of my retirement and other benefits and stuff like that i don't have to you know go and start slamming on doors in order to land a six-figure job but at the same time, being aware of that is really important. Like, like I said, a lot of people, they just kind of like want to cruise and just let time by until they're, you know, until they're free and then they'll figure it out from there. Well, that's not a luxury that I have and, that, and that and not a lot of people have. So it's definitely something to be cognizant of. The financial planning class is a really good one. Uh, Department of Labor fun, uh, Fundamentals of Employment Workshop. That one's pretty good. Uh, VA benefits and services. This one I took the most notes in. This is probably one of the most important classes that you will sit through. Okay, it tells you everything. In fact, I plan on going through this class again once I get my medical records in order to make sure I have all my, you know, my T's crossed and my I's dotted for all this stuff. Uh, continuum of military service. So this is basically more like, hey man, you're retired from active duty, but would you like to join the guard? To which I said. Nope, <laughs> but <laughs> some people still want to. Some people still want to do that. 
uh, and then career track employment, education, vocational, or entrepreneur. These are separate classes here. You have to pick one of them. I just, I picked uh, employment because it made the most sense to me. And that's the one I went with. Now you could do all these if you wanted to, if you have the time and you want to make the appointments. But I mean, at some point you kind of have to pick a track that works and focus on that one. So this one is really important. This is a block over a couple of days. You're not doing all this in one day. And again, that's something that you need to let your supervisors know, like, hey, I got this thing going on. I got these classes. The good thing is, is that the TAP office will print you out a schedule and you can show that to your supervisor and be like, yo, man, I got this stuff going on. And you just go and you execute, sit down there, take your notes, do the thing. All right, step five, 12 to four months prior to separation, access additional services according to your transition goals. So there's a lot of these in here that are really good, okay? The federal resume writing, really good if you decide you want to hop back into government, uh, into government service, right? Um, because despite what some people say, a federal resume is very different from the normal CV that you would use to get a job at like Amazon or something, okay? Uh, advanced resume writing, I didn't take that one, but I've been told this one's really good. Interview techniques and salary negotiations. So here's the funny thing, and I didn't even think about this until someone meant, until someone thought of it, but like I've never had to negotiate my salary. I've never, I've only had to interview for a job once. And the job that I interviewed for, I technically was kind of the default for it because I was the only person available. So I didn't really have to, didn't have to push that hard up that ladder. But for some people, they don't know how to interview, right? If you're like me, you come into the army at a very young age and you stick with it all the way through to retirement, there's a really good chance you've never had to interview for a position or the only type of interview experience you have is like in a, like a promotion board or in like a competition board. Right. And that's a very different thing. Like that's more about like retaining knowledge and keeping your bearing than it is explaining why you're the right candidate or the right fit for the position or job that you're vying for. So it's very important to kind of take this stuff seriously. Some people don't really think about it. They're like, oh, like I could, I could handle interviews. It's like, can you? Like, can you handle the fact that like at some point you're gonna get in your own head and be like, oh, can I do this? Like, should, should I even be like, what do I ask for? You know what I mean? Like these are things that you've probably not had to ask yourself or haven't had to ask yourself in a really long time. Cause some people don't go the full 20 years. Some people, they do five years, six years, maybe eight, right? And they just kind of get to the point where like, you know what? I did a lot of cool stuff. I got a lot of great benefits and everything out of the job, but I'm ready to move on to something else. Well, that's eight years that you've had one form of employment the whole time. And like I said, you've never had to negotiate for your salary. The raises come when you get promoted. That's it. So anyway, sorry. Continue on, on down the list. Uh, dress for success. Again, this is a thing I had to deal with because when I went into my internship, I realized I had no professional attire whatsoever. Um, luckily, <laughs> the place where I work um, is all about me being able to wear like jeans and a polo, and I'm cool with that. But some places aren't. Some places you need to have like at least decent business casual. So like knowing how to do that is probably a good skill to learn, and you can learn it. And I know a lot of it's it sounds like very rudimentary and almost like it's in insulting your intelligence, but it's not, it is, it is skills that you've not had to worry about. 
and I, like, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but like the majority of dudes that get out of the army, their idea is like, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a job. And then I'm just going to have my entire wardrobe be 5'11 in grunt style. And that way people will know about my military service. No, like no one's going to hire you if you're showing up in freaking in 5'11s with freaking Corcoran's on. So learning how to dress properly for the setting you're wanting to work in is important. Uh, skills development. And then it says, you know, other non-required career track classes. There's a lot of additional ones. Like I said, VR&E, which is a really good one. Uh, used to be called Vo uh, Voke Rehab. We will do an entire episode on that. It's a really great program and one that a lot of people, like, they know about, but they forget about. So really good and really uh, important to go into. And then assistance with accessing the career skills program or other training opportunities. So I'm currently in my CSP, in my career skills program. I'm basically in an internship with the public affairs office that runs, that runs public affairs for the hospital that I work at. And it's great. I love it. It's really good. This is a really great program to get yourself plugged in into a different uh, industry that you want to work in, basically on the government's dime. It's very appealing to employers because they're not paying you. I'm still technically active duty. I, I know the beard does not exactly lend credence to that, but it's true. I'm still active duty. I'm currently working in a different capacity in a different place. I don't report to my unit, but I'm basically borrowed manpower for this other business, this other industry, this other portion that is allowing me to work in that field and get skills. The career skills program is awesome for getting that kind of opportunity, that kind of time to work in a different field or, you know, potentially uh, work in an internship that leads to another career. I cannot stress enough how amazing this program is and one that everybody should take advantage of. Okay. All right. On down to the bottom here. We're now at step six, no later than 90 days prior. Okay. You need to complete your capstone. This is basically like you going in and being like, have I done all my SFL tap stuff? Have I done everything I need to do to prepare myself for transition? Yes, I have. Okay. Boom. Get your capstone. That's basically them signing off saying when you go to out process from the army or from the government that the government has done everything they can and presented you with all the opportunities that they can in order for you to be successful after you transition. Okay. This is, this is more of a formality than anything else. I mean, and not like it's unnecessary, but it is also good to be able to go through and say like, Hey, all my stuff is done. I'm G to G. Um, can I leave? <laughs> like, can I go on to the next chapter of my life? And, um, yeah. So like, I'm actually now I'm technically capstone complete due to like an exemption of policy, but for the most part, it's something that a lot of people don't think about when you're going through this is like, you're, you're getting, you know, you're taking all of these paper slips that have different opportunities and stuff. And it's great. And they're all really great resources and things that will help you out. But at the end of the day, you can collect all that stuff up and go through and use it, use it and everything, but you need to be able to show at the end of this process, hey, I'm ready for the next step. I 
think I have everything I need, I'm ready to move on. And then you move on to that final step, okay? And, um, and that's really it for SFL TAP. There, it doesn't, I know it seems like a whole lot. I kind of did what I was talking about where it's like um, information through fire hose. But I also, I don't want to belabor this, okay? This is good information, but there's no reason to beat around the bush or to gussy it up. This is all stuff that can benefit you in just the cold, hard, tactile facts. And people should be, well, you have to. It's part of the process. But, like, everybody should be using every single one of these opportunities, every single one of these resources that is involved here. And the funny thing is, is, like, when you first go in they'll have this list of stuff that you can do. And if you stick with the bare bones list, like, yeah, man, like you'll be fine and you'll be able to transition out and you'll do good. But like, there's so much more that you can achieve things that, you know, you weren't even aware of that were opportunities, things like voc rehab, things like the career skills program. Um, I met some gentlemen there that like, they specifically work for the Kentucky department of labor. And now I'm on a list where I get emails periodically of like, hey, there's this, you know, uh, there's this job fair in Paducah where they're looking for X, Y, and Z type of professionals. Are you interested in going to this? It it becomes less of you going out there and and you know and beating the streets looking for those opportunities and more of like a fifty fifty of like, yeah, you're looking, but some of them are looking for you too. Another thing. That is important. Speaking of looking for opportunities and meeting halfway, um, and I know it sounds tired, but it's true. Once you are um, in your transition phase from the military, whether you're retiring or you're just separating, take advantage of that free year of uh, LinkedIn Premium. I know LinkedIn is kind of a weird place, right? I have my own feelings about the platform personally. But it is really useful for being able to connect with and um, and learn from people that are already maybe at a place where you want to work or in an industry that you're looking to get into. <clears throat> it helps you to make those connections. Um, and, you know, like just be able to find job listings and stuff is handy, too, along with a slew of other things that comes with LinkedIn. But we're getting into that that part where I'm starting to talk about things outside of the purview here. That's not what we're here to do. Um, I do think I want to continue this down because one of the things that I have made it a point to do in the later half of my military career is um, I want to kind of use myself as like, I hate to say cautionary tale, but it's kind of what it is like, I didn't have the worst 20 years in military history. I like to think that my my career and my service was sort of middle of the road. Um, I'm not a rock star by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like I did the job pretty well. There were things I could have done better. There are things I would definitely go back and change. Um, but I'm happy with where I am, and I'm... I am thankful for the opportunities it has presented me. And so I I got the idea, again, sitting behind the wheel of my car, just thinking while I was stuck at a red light, of like, how is it best for me to present this experience and this information 
And so I figured the podcast was the best place to do it. And that's what we're going to do. So um, that is it for this episode. I know shorter than my normal fare, but I feel like I got the information out there and it meets the intent. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I do want people to reach out though. Leave me a voicemail. And uh, whether it's your experience with transitioning, um, tips and tricks that you've learned along the way, or if you just have questions that I can answer, um, please leave me a voicemail over on the SpeakPipe, and I will, if it's if it's a uh, you know, if it's experiences and tips and stuff like that, I'll play it here on the podcast. If it's questions, I will do the due diligence, do the research, and make sure that I address it in the next episode. Um, but yeah. So that is going to be it for this episode of Thoughts in Traffic. I want to thank you all very much for tuning in and checking it out. Remember, you can find us over at blindknowledge.com where you find a slew, a variable cornucopia of amazing shows. And um, yeah, thanks for watching. I hope this helps. Um, Yeah, have yourselves a good week. Bye-bye. You know what's cool? Podcasts. You know what's not cool? No podcasts. Check out all the podcasts over here at blindknowledge.com. This podcast you're listening to right now is a featured Blind Knowledge podcast.